Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of daily fantasy sports and gambling. So you can stop Googling how to join a squid game to cover all those parlays you thought were such a sure thing. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Alrighty, folks, let's talk about the conference finals for the NBA. We have the upset with the Mavs being in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. We'll get to that contest later as it's coming up tomorrow night. Tonight, we have the Heat hosting the Celtics, who took out the defending champ Bucks in Game 7. You know, I'll be honest, I was on the Bucks side of things. I thought it was lean more towards Giannis carrying today. The Celtics, to their credit, played well at home, got the job done, and knocked off the Bucks. They shot the threes when they needed to. They got timely shooting in the second half. The Bucks got tired. The middle end injury basically doomed the Bucks. They just didn't have enough oomph uh, from the bench to actually make up for the loss of Chris Middleton. And the Celtics took advantage of it. They played good defense, and they wore down the Bucks to the point where, while Giannis got his points, nobody else really hurt the Bucks outside of Giannis. You didn't get much out of Drew Holiday. And the bench players, as I said, just couldn't replace Chris Middleton. So you have the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, uh, uh, the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, playing the Heat. And got to be honest, I love the heat in the series. And the the thing of it is, is that because the Bucks were eliminated and people are just looking at it from the standpoint of essentially you got the uh, the Bucks uh out, people are looking at it and saying, "Well, obviously the the Celtics should win this, right?" Right? That's where people are kind of looking at it from The standpoint, the Celtics are favored against the Heat, who are the overall number one seed. I want to reiterate, folks, the Celtics are the two seed. The Heat are the one seed. The Heat are the one seed for a reason. They played better in the regular season. They were a more consistent team in the regular season. They were the better defensive team in the regular season. Nothing has changed about the Miami Heat. They took out Philadelphia. Yes, did Embiid get hurt? Yes, but guess what? Embiid came back, he he played his role, and guess what the Heat did? They played good defense and wore down the 76ers and Embiid. They did what they needed to do. There's way too much emotional reaction to the Celtics taking out the Bucks, and the fact that the betting markets look at Boston as a major media market. They're trying to entice... They're trying to curry favor on that side. There's just not enough attention being paid to the Heat, and folks are getting caught up in the narrative of this is the Celtics' time. Jason Tatum's ready to become a star. The Celtics need to be back in the NBA Finals. That's the narrative people are going with. The reality situation is, yes, the Celtics have a good squad, very good squad. The Heat have a better defensive squad, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why the Bucs were struggling in that series against the Celtics is they didn't have P.J. Tucker. 
PJ Tucker is there to disrupt Jason Tatum. They're going to put PJ Tucker on Jason Tatum. He's going to annoy the hell out of Jason Tatum. They're going to find ways of putting him on Jalen Brown. I think this is a series where, you know, the, uh, the Heat are going to pick their poison as to, uh, is Jimmy going to cover Jason Tatum or is he going to cover Jalen Brown? And the, uh, the other guy will get PJ Tucker and whoever gets PJ Tucker their offense is going to struggle. And I want to see how the Celtics respond because as good as the uh, Bucks are defensively, with Giannis, the Heat are just as good, if not better, defensively. And again, P.J. Tucker is just one of those role players where the Bucks tried to get the value out of P.J. Tucker in picking up Grayson Allen. And guess what? Grayson Allen sucked in that series against uh, the Celtics. That's the short, long and short of it. They replaced P.J. Tucker with Grayson Allen and tried to save money, and the Bucks did not get their value out of Grayson Allen in the playoffs. We got in the regular season. He was good enough. Postseason, didn't cut it. Didn't cut it. So a lot of folks are going to talk about the stars. They're going to talk about Jimmy Butler on the Heat. They're going to talk about Bantam Adebayo. They're going to talk about Tatum on the Celtics. They're going to talk about Jalen Brown. They're going to talk about Marcus Smart. But this series is going to come down to guys like P.J. Tucker on the Heat. It's going to come down to can Tyler Hero get the offense going? Because he's been struggling this postseason, but this is a series against Boston. That second unit, he could shoot over the top of with regular ease and get his offense going against the Sixers. The Sixers have wing defenders uh, out the gazoo. Like the Sixers are a pain in the ass to score points against, which is why before Harden, I like the Sixers actually. And I talked about this before that Harden, uh, Ben Simmons trade, I felt was a negative more for the Sixers. And if Ben Simmons had any work ethic, it could have been a positive for the Nets, but Ben Simmons being Ben Simmons, it ended up being a net negative for both teams. So just from a betting standpoint, I- I'm just going to be perfectly honest. Game one, this should be very straightforward for the Heat. They're minus four and a half. I would bet the four and a half. Series odd-wise, the Heat are the underdog. You can get the Heat as an underdog at plus 130 in the series versus the Celtics. The Celtics are minus 155 on DraftKings. And looking at some of these other books, it's pretty consistent across the board. The Celtics are ranging from minus 150 to minus 160. Like, minus 155 is pretty much in the median range. The the Heat are plus 130, and that's pretty much where they've been consistent across the sports books. But you're getting dog money on the number one seed in the Eastern Conference of the NBA. You can't pass down value like that. I'm sorry. So as much as you may think that Boston's going to ride this wave of momentum, the the the, the smart money betting wise is on the Heat. They're plus one thirty. It makes far more sense to throw some money on the Heat and use the fact that they're they're the dog, and they're the number one seed. They got home court advantage. This to me is just bet the Heat to win the series. As the underdog, and for game one, I think this is really pretty much up the Heat's alley. Boss is going to be tired, coming off the game seven. 
He had more rest. Celtics, again, emotional game, playing the Bucks. They sh- they shot a ton of threes. They had 22 three-pointers in game seven. It, you know, that's a lot of chucking going on. The shots were falling. You know, game one, I, I see that flipping. Like, a couple of days past, they had to travel. It, you know, the Heat are going to clamp down on defense, and I just can't see the Celtics having that good of a shooting game again this postseason. I, I really have a tough time struggling seeing it happen. So they got their pop off game. They got they got they got the high end of the spectrum in terms of offensive output, but I think this comes closer to the norm where you're getting closer to twelve to fourteen threes from the Celtics. That's not going to cut it against the Heat with the way they're going to play defense. They're going to basically force Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be uh, perimeter players, jump shooting wise. And I don't think uh, the Heat lose that game. So if the Heat folk, uh, uh, keep Tatum and Brown out of the paint, I just think it's so much harder for uh, Boston to get the uh, points necessary to win uh, this game. And, you know, again, series odd-wise, if uh, Miami wins game one, this line's going to flip back to the Heat being favored. So, again, get in on the Heat early uh, for game one because this this line... I, 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 the Heat are favored in game one. It, on the series odd wise, they're the underdog. It, it doesn't make a lick of sense. It, I, again, they have home court advantage. The, the way the betting markets are playing this is if the Heat are going to split, Boston's going to sweep at home and then put the Heat at a disadvantage trying to win the series. Like, realistically, that's how it has to play out. I, you know, I just don't see that happening. I don't see a Boston holding home, uh, holding serve at home court. But getting a split against Miami to start the series, I don't see it happening. The best case for a Boston to win this uh, uh, series is that it goes to seven and, you know, the Heat had a bad shooting night at home the way the Bucks did to get to the NBA Finals. That's the win condition for the Celtics. I think that's a terrible win condition, to be honest. Like, having that happen two, uh, uh, two series in a row, uh, I just, it looks way too... Uh, way too optimistic uh, uh, from a system standpoint. And I said, the Heat are just as formidable as the Bucks, if not more so from a defensive standpoint, because they got P.J. Tucker, and he's going to disrupt one of those guys on offense. I don't know how they're going to break out the assignment. Eric Spolster is very tricky with that. They may just throw the concentration on Brown early in the series, take Brown out of the series, uh, let Tatum, uh, you know, basically get one-on-one coverage, and then as the series progresses, clamp down on Tatum and switch it up on him. It, it's very well possible that's how Spolster plays it. I, I, you know, obviously we won't know for certain, but to me, that's the way it should go. The other series comes down to the fact that the Phoenix Suns, I talked about Chris Paul being injured and trying to fade him. You know, it, it just, it is what it is. The Suns, like, crashed and burned on Chris Paul's health uh, whatever hand injury he picked up, he was not the same guy. He was not aggressive. He didn't want to attack the basket. And the Suns don't have any shot creators beyond Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So they got one shot creator. So you throw waves of bodies at Devin Booker, the, the, the Suns offense stalls. That's what happened in Game 7. It was a stomp by the Mavs, but realistically, uh, Chris Paul was nowhere to be seen. He was the invisible man. So it is what it is. 
matchup wise, the Warriors are probably happier that they don't have to deal with DeAndre Ayton just camping inside the paint and just scoring at will on them on the interior because the Warriors just cannot deal with size of any size uh, of any sort, which is why Stephen Adams somehow turned into a uh, productive force against uh, the Warriors and possible uh, were, was even without John Morant almost sent that to a game seven because of Steven Adams, who is on his literal last legs as an NBA starter in this league this year. He's not going to be starting next year in the NBA. And he was dominating the Warriors in the paint. The problem for Dallas is they don't have anyone that can dominate in the paint. Dwight Powell is a literal a definition of uh, an uh, elliptical where he's just going up and down, up and down, up and down. Not, nothing of remote importance happening with him on the, the court. He's just eating minutes. What the Mavs did against the Suns was spread them out, have Maxi Kleba and uh, 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 Davis Bertans just chuck threes and draw Aiton out of the paint and allow cutting lanes for uh, Jalen Brunson of, of cor- and, of course, Luka Doncic to get to the hoop. That's literally what the Suns did. The Warriors kind of want the Suns. I mean, the the Warriors kind of want the Mavs to play that style. And so from a Dallas Mavericks standpoint, they're going to have to change up the game plan a bit because they're going to need to do some more pick and roll and try to body up uh, the Warriors on the interior. That's how you hurt the Warriors is with size. The problem with the Mavs is their best post player technically is Boban uh, Marjanovic, who can't guard anyone on the perimeter. He's seven six. Uh, you know, bless his heart. Boban tries his hardest, but he can't move. Can't move. So you're gonna give up open threes on the outside. And if Steph and Clay are hitting, they're hitting. It, it, it's just it takes a lot in order to properly uh, build out a strategy when playing the Warriors, because most teams went small ball. They don't have real post players anymore. Phoenix was one of the only true post-oriented teams left uh, in the NBA because they focused so much on mid-range jump shots and creating opportunities for their big men to crash the boards and get rebounds and putbacks. That's how you beat the Warriors. But, you know, as it stands, I got to look at Dallas. Series odd-wise, it's slightly in the Warriors' favor. I can't. I can't back the Mavs because realistically this is a series that favors what the Warriors want to do. It it, it just is. So for me, this is just a case of, I kind of want to pass because uh, the series odds uh, for the Warriors is uh, minus 225. Yeah, you could bet it, but it's not a great bet. I mean, yeah, they should beat the Mavs, but what if Steph gets hurt? What if uh, Clay uh, rolls an ankle? Like it, they're all real possibilities. That line's going to come down tremendously, and I still think the Warriors could probably beat the Mavs just because of their three-point shooting alone. You know, it's just one of those things where they need multiple injuries to uh, have that fall apart against them in a matchup against the Mavs. So. For me, this is a dog or pass situation. You could take the Mavs at plus 190, 
but it's not a great assignment to take, and it just, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, you know, I just don't like betting on the Mavs because I have a hard time seeing their win condition if they can't go big, and they don't have the personnel to go big. I, I just don't see it. So for me, you know, it, it's uh, you take uh, the Warriors if you if you if you want. There just isn't a whole lot of value there. And realistically, you know, I I, I just think that there's uh, too much to uh, to wager on uh, to to make it worth any look of sense to just back uh, the Warriors regardless. So uh, those are my initial thoughts uh, as we get further into the playoffs. Obviously, we got Stanley Cup playoffs going on as well uh, with uh, the second round. So we'll get to that and other items, but. That's all for now, folks. So I would say hit the Miami line in terms of the spread and the series odds. And let's go cash that game one ticket. And uh, we'll see uh, how the odds reflect uh, when they backpedal with a heat victory. So uh, that's all for now. Good luck. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets.